I also could just watch Bluey on repeat. So I thank you all for taking time away from Bluey to be here. Uh, will you join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is week three of our sermon series called Salty. We are reading through Jesus's Sermon on the Mount found in the book of Matthew. The very first week, if you weren't here, we talked about what it meant to be salty and bright out in the world. And last week, Luke preached for us, and he talked about what it means to actually love your enemies. We're going to hop right in to today's scripture this morning. We're going to be in Matthew 6, verses 24 through 34. Hear these words. Jesus taught, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you by worrying can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Jesus continues, therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all those things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. This is a very tricky passage, if that's not obvious just from us reading it together. On the surface, it seems as if Jesus may be telling the people that they should just chill out. Food, clothing, necessities, all of that will just be thrown their way. They should just lay back and relax. And at first glance, it kind of seems as if Jesus is belittling the worries they have in their life. One would think that worrying about where your next meal comes from or if you have clothes to wear, those are two pretty important things to worry about. It's not like they're worried about having wine at a wedding or something seemingly superficial. Clothing, food, shelter, those are all necessities that at the bare minimum aren't something to be taken granted for. For us, as readers in today's society, we know that often those who are lacking life's essentials are rarely lacking because of their lack of faith in God 
or because of a lack of God's presence in the world. And still, people go without. This is a tricky passage. But I found that when I focus on that very first verse we read, verse 24, we're all able to kind of glean a better, clearer understanding of what Jesus might be teaching us. Verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. And here's the key. You cannot serve God and wealth. The choice between God and wealth is the ultimate question here. Where does our focus lie? Many would argue that consumerism drives the United States market. As of December 2022, consumer spending made up about 70% of all economic activity in the United States. And that sounds like a big number, but it's not surprising to most of us. It's obvious to us. We can't turn on the television or even drive down a road without seeing some type of advertisement that seems to be meant just for us, the consumer. In order for big businesses to survive, in order for our economy to keep churning, each of us as a consumer is required. Since I was a child, I've understood that desire, the desire to want more. I'd look around at my classmates and I'd see shiny, dark Doc Martin shoes and think, I need those too. To which my dad would be like, I'm sorry, are you a welder? Why would you need Doc Martens? All right, anyways. Or I'd see a friend's new cell phone or their purse or their really cool sweatshirt. And I just knew I needed that too. Even today, I look around and see a car that would be way better suited for my family with two big car seats. Consumerism has this hold on most of us. And maybe it looks different because we all have these different needs that they're catering to. Consumerism, often the things that we are being targeted offer convenience. Often the things offered to us are promised to save time and to save money in the long haul, or so we're led to believe. We want more. And most of us don't have these evil intentions. We want more in order to be better people, in order to be safer. We want certain items to make our lives easier, to make our lives more full and rich. And while consumerism undoubtedly benefits the economic systems we're a part of, it often leaves most of us wanting more. And yet, the system is so ingrained in our lives, it's hard to imagine that we could ever truly break free of it. When Jesus, here in this passage, is teaching his disciples about the impossibilities of serving two different masters, wealth and God, Jesus probably didn't have the economic system of consumerism in mind. Things look a lot different now than they did there. Yet, 
Jesus understood that temptation, the temptation to give in to the riches of the world. Jesus understood the draw that beauty and success had on the disciples and on the society that they were a part of. Jesus challenges the disciples to look into their hearts and consider what they were filling their lives with. And these were people who had given up a lot to follow Jesus. And still, Jesus continues to push them to challenge their beliefs about what it means to be a follower. When we look at our own hearts, what are we filling our lives with? How do we push back on our me, me, me mindsets? Three times throughout our reading, Jesus says, don't worry, which easier said than done, Jesus. As someone who struggles with anxiety, I have a hard time reading this as Jesus just shrugging off worry. Because I know Jesus. I know Jesus deeply cares for all of creation and that Jesus doesn't look down on our struggles. And I believe that Jesus calls us to a richer life outside of the worries, the worries that come with comparing ourselves to the world around us in a material sense. Jesus isn't saying our struggles aren't real, that our worries are not real. Instead, Jesus invites us into a deeper meaning of what it looks like to trust God. When I am facing worry or anxiety, which is a lot of the time, it is typically driven by fear. Fear of an unknown situation. Fear of how the people around me may react. Fear of not being prepared. In general, most of the times when we encounter feelings of worry, it's driven by fear. Maybe we're fearful of being made fun of for not having the newest toy or the newest car. So we worry about how we might go about getting those things. Or we're fearful of being judged for the way we look. And so we may worry about how to get new clothes or makeup to, carry, to cover up all of our imperfections. We worry about how we look. Other times, we may be fearful of being left out. So out of worry, we may insert ourselves into situations we don't belong. Or we may create drama or act unlike ourselves in order to stay relevant or to feel like we do actually belong. Fear can motivate us to do a lot of things that may not always match up with what's deep in our hearts. And often that worry stems from an underlying fear, a fear that may drive some of us into consumerism. The question is, how do we combat that? How do we combat fear in our everyday lives? When I struggle with doubt and uncertainty and fear, when I wrestle with an insatiable desire for more, I try to do things that ground me. I love that when Jesus talks about worry, he also gives us illustrations of what it looks like to not worry. He talks about birds flying free in the air and the beauty of lilies growing in fields of green. 
Jesus points us back to creation. When I need to feel grounded, I go back to creation too. I try to make time to go on a walk, to take notice of the natural beauty around me. I try to sit outside and close my eyes and listen to the noise of the birds and the trees. My anxiety does not completely disappear but I am able to get a better grasp on reality and how God is still working even in the midst of my struggle. There are a number of ways for us to combat the fear that lives within us. Maybe for you, it's spending time in prayer or meditation. Maybe it's taking specific time away to really take note of the fears that are motivating you. Spending time listing out your fears can sometimes take away some of their power. Maybe it's finding safe people or a safe community in your life whom you can honestly share your fear out loud with. Maybe it's spending time in scripture the words do not fear are found throughout the Bible. We are in good company with our fear. We're not alone in it. When we are able to see our fear, we are able to combat worry and maybe consumerism down the line. When we are focused on living our lives in ways that reflect Christ, the superficial worries about having more things or having better items than our neighbors wane. It becomes more about us and less about me, me, me. When we follow Christ, we're making a choice to give up that obsession with wealth and instead focus on God. It can be tempting to hear this passage, to hear Jesus' teachings, and think that we can just wait around and clothes will be thrown to us and food will just fill up our bellies. It can be tempting to believe that our worry will magically just dissipate. But that's not what this passage is. Instead, Jesus is challenging us not to spend so much time worried about clothing and food and being fearful of fitting into society that we lose sight of who we are, that we lose sight of God. We do not need to accumulate stuff in order to overcome fear, or in order to prove our worth, or in order to comfort ourselves. We are not alone. We are worthy. We are loved. We must follow Jesus' teachings and desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. May it be so. Amen.